You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about intimacy and supervision. This week, we read Voice of Experience, The Search for Intimacy, published in Counseling Today, 2022. Heather, this sounds like a really spicy topic. Right. Like, uh-huh. I would hope there's not intimacy in your supervision, but I would all or hope there is. Or, or counseling, right. 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 So, <laughs> let's first talk about the actual topic of sex within counseling right. and within supervision. Do you have many supervisees that this has come up with? Uh, not too many. I mean, I, over the time, just maybe some have like double step. like that was awkward. Like I had an mm-hmm. awkward session. This came up. Mm-hmm. But I do have a story about, I mean, I was barely licensed, like barely licensed. And I had a couple come in and like normally with like marital therapy, it takes a little while before you get to, and they just dove right in first night. Like, Hey, we're here. We have intimacy issues. He likes it this way. I like it this way. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay, great. So like, you were suddenly feeling very intimate with them. They right. didn't give you time to no, no warm time. up or get to know them. No. Yeah. It was a deep dive very quickly. Uh-huh. How did that end up working out? Did it was a good counseling relationship? It ended up fine. Yeah. It was just, I think they had tried other counselors and decided mm. not to like beat around the bush. They're like, this is yeah. what we need to focus on. And well, and they were really ready. Right. They right. knew what they wanted to talk about. I can think, well, I, you know, maybe a handful of other clients. I don't know how many times sex has come up with my supervisees, but for the first chunk of my time as a counselor, I only worked with kids. Okay. So there was little to no discussion of mm-hmm. sex. And when I started to have a few college-age kids— mm-hmm. Actually, the first thing I thought was, I don't want to work with college-age kids because they're going to want to talk about right. that. Right. You're like, I don't no, want to no, talk no. about that. <laughs> but the first couple of times it happened, I thought, ah, this is a whole new, mm-hmm. this is like another facet of this person. Right. Probably the first one that I can remember really talking about sex with was a kid that I'd known for a while that had an eating disorder. And kids with eating disorders typically don't have a lot of hormones. It's just right. not their... Right. It's not their pri- the right, right. The, so it's not a big concern of theirs. Mm-hmm. But this kid was taking care of their body pretty well and pretty healthy, and so now it was right of interest. Mm-hmm. And they'd kind of missed some steps in high school because it was never they weren't right. thinking right. about it, and now they are. And now they're in college, and I thought, oh, right. And there's not a parent that's going to get mad at me for talking you, about this. right. I can you're a college kid. Right. We can talk about this. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to think with this kid right. how they thought about themselves and their body and how they thought about other people's bodies. And I thought it was really productive in treatment for right. an eating disorder. Right. To right. Have but it shows another level of success or another mm-hmm. level of mm-hmm. like, this is where we're at now. I need to discuss these things. Yeah. Supervisees and sex. Can you think of any time? I can't. Well, the only, I have one story about a supervisee and... He was really connected with his clients, but it wasn't really exactly sex. But this, a couple of his clients, and maybe just because he was a guy and it was guy to guy, like they were very interested in talking about masturbation 
and how much was normal and if they're okay. And these were like, again, older teenagers, like, Mm -hmm. or young college kids. But I felt like almost for a while there, he was on a roll. Like every kid that came in to see him was like, I do this or this is, you know, and, and he got to the point where he could like see it coming. Like he was like, here, here, they're going to tell me. Right. And he's like, came up with like a spiel. Like what he would say back. I feel like this would be true for me in any topic. If I felt like, wow, every kid I'm talking to wants to talk about the same thing, I'd have to stop myself and think, am I inviting this somehow? Why am I making this okay? Right. Or or maybe I'm drawing this conclusion and they weren't really going there. But now since I brought it up, I opened the door. Yeah. Yeah. How did you talk to that supervisee about that? Or Well, I mean, we just discussed the fact that like being ready is part of like not being caught off guard. So obviously, if you're going to see young guys, it, like it's probably going to come up at some point in time. Mm-hmm. But then also talking about like, how did that conversation open? Was it I mean, it was always different for him. One guy was he swore to him that it was the best stress relief. Mm-hmm. And while my supervisor was like, OK, but you could also go running. Like, yeah. <laughs> also do some other thing. <laughs> If it's becoming a problem where you think you're addicted to masturbation, then maybe there's something else you need to do. Yeah. Maybe the times where I've discussed this in supervision, I can think of some times in eating disorder treatment where the people in the meeting or in the group weren't specifically my supervisees, Mm -hmm. but I was leading a multidisciplinary meeting discussion Uh and the topic was coming up a lot. And what I was doing is kind of what you're saying, that I I was saying, okay, well, let's look at that. Is that because we prioritize that or we're thinking about that or we're encouraging them to explore that? Or is it because the client is right. wanting to explore this or think about this or in some way it relates to their eating disorder uniquely? Right. Or is that a lens that we're looking through right now? And I think depending on... I mean, this is our topic, right? That depending on the connection that I have with the people in that meeting, sometimes that goes well and sometimes it doesn't. Right. That sometimes I am trying to say, well, let's look at it or consider a different Mm -hmm. perspective or consider that something else is going on. And sometimes people go, okay, fair. Let me see if I think, you know, is that me? Right. Or is that the client? And other times it's really faced with a lot of defensiveness. Right. No, I'm not doing that. No, I did. That's not important to me. That's what the client is telling me. Right. So I think it because it's a a touchy subject. I think it's touchy to try and confront or address it. Right. In supervision or in counseling. Right. And I think some people are more closed off to it being a discussion, where yeah. other people don't have the same gate. Is that the right? Like yeah. other people don't have the same filter for it, and they yeah. may not realize that they're putting that out into. Mm -hmm. I think you're saying with the client example you gave and then also the supervisee example, it sounds like the more you did talk about it, the more it was open, the easier it was to just address it. Right. Which makes me think when I was in my master's program and putting myself through Mm -hmm. school, I had, I was doing more like social work or case management more Mm -hmm. than I was counseling. And my caseload was made up of a lot of young 20-somethings, right? all with developmental disabilities. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I had a sex talk once a week. Right. You're like, it just <laughs> just fell into what needed and, to happen this week. But I got used to it. And because, I I mean, I did have a relation, pretty good relationship with all of them. It didn't feel 
as awkward right. or uncomfortable. You become more, and so I'd yeah. go, "Hey, do we need to talk about condoms again? Right? Do we? You know?" Right. And we could kind of laugh about it, mm-hmm. and then I would go, "No, really. Like, do we need to have this conversation? <laughs> Can you just say it back to me so I know that you still remember what right. we talked about last time? But right. we could say it in a more casual, mm-hmm. comfortable way, right? But that sounds like key to." The role, our role as a counselor or our role as the supervisor if we're, we're talking right. to talk about intimacy or sex. Right. Well, and think about it. It's really a mirror to what intimacy is, that yes. connection that you have with whoever you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's bigger. Okay. Perfect segue into our next point. Okay. Asking for intimacy within counseling or within the supervision relationship there are tons of different ways that people are asking for, we said intimacy, but closeness or right. connectedness. Right. How have you experienced that with your supervisees where they're asking you for a deeper level of connectedness? I think often with supervisees, they're asking for that. And it may be really kind of subverse. Like you may not necessarily see it coming, but when they're asking to say like, when they're looking for validation that whatever experience they've discussed it, like that's normal. Or or if they're even talking about their own life and segueing with personal life, right? Like mm-hmm. they're talking about like how they balance work life stuff. I think they are looking for that connection. And it is a way to like, you are connecting at a deeper level because you are, if you're not connecting, then you're probably not doing your job as Mm -hmm. there's a level that you need to be connecting. Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting for that to say, I don't know that they know they're asking for it. Like, I don't know if from a supervisee's stance, they're like, I need to connect more with my supervisor. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're just more like, I need some validation. I need, uh, you know. Hmm. I hadn't thought, I don't know if I've ever wondered if they meant to or not, if it was right. just happening. I have supervisees that probably more towards the end of our time in supervision, like maybe we've known each other mm-hmm. for a while and they're getting close to finishing. And they want, they say things like, well, I mean, will we see each other oh, yeah. after right. we're done with supervision? Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, well, you know, maybe we could get lunch, when, right. you know, when. Like what now? <laughs> right. In those situations, I guess I've always imagined that they know that they're asking for that, that they're saying, I don't want to lose you. Right. And I think they're also saying some more than others, I don't want to lose you. And I'd like to feel connection that feels like friendship. Right. Like more than just supervisee, supervisor, like balancing Mm -hmm. it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like more Mm -hmm. colleague, more. Mm -hmm. I do think I also note when that happens, mm-hmm. that it is usually kind of towards the end. So I feel like they're also saying, I already feel connected to you in some ways. Right. So then I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd like it to feel even more connected. Right. Instead of having a disruption, I'd like to have that next step. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to break up with you. Right. I wanna- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see people do this, but it's with hesitation or they're nervous or they don't know how that maybe something has come up in their suit in their their counseling that they're mm-hmm. providing or something's happening for them personally that they want to talk about it, but they're also not sure if mm-hmm. now's the time. So they're kind of bringing it up and maybe even, I don't know, I've had supervisees that look kind of tearful. Right. I think they're looking to me to give them clues like, is this right? Am I allowed to go here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think so too? You I supervisees yes. do that? Yes. So how do you respond? I mean, sometimes, again, it depends on the relationship, but sometimes I just give them that encouragement, like, this is, must be really big for you, or like, just kind of ask the question, are you doubting yourself? Like, whatever the context of it is, and kind of just encourage them to go, because that to me usually says, like, there's something more. Yeah. There's behind it. I'm not going to be like, no, take that home with you. 
(laughs) What about, like I'm saying, like, let's go to lunch. Let's Mm -hmm. go. Would you go to lunch with a supervisee that you're still right in the middle of supervision with? Like, you might know them for, right? I don't know, a long time before you fit. Would you go to lunch with them? Yeah, I think I would. I can't remember. I don't have a hard and fast rule about it. Yeah, I think I had someone invite me to, what was it? It felt like a big, not just a birthday, but kind of a big occasion. Right. And I think I said no. Mm-hmm. Like an anniversary party or like a mm-hmm. wedding or like mm-hmm. a, yeah. It felt like too, a, little too much. a little too much for right. some reason. I'm questioning now or thinking now, I think my thought process mirrors education. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're an undergrad, you call your teacher's professor. Right. And then in your master's program, generally, you call them by their last name right. or, or mm-hmm. professor. So and so, yeah. But in a doctorate program, a lot of times you call them by their first name. Mm-hmm. And I still have maybe even one of my favorites where I would catch myself and say, doctor, uh, uh, right. uh, and she would say, my name is not doctor. Right. My name is, is right. yeah. so kind of tricky. But I, mm-hmm. I think I think that way with supervisees that somewhere along the way you get to a point where it's more familiar or, right. I mean, no one's calling me doctor. Right. And supervision. Right. But some other degree of closeness that happens over time. Exactly. I agree with that. You could, It just continues to develop the longer you have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Probably the more. And again, that probably mirrors the client relationship, although not probably as deep. Mm-hmm. But the more you have a client relationship, there's a big difference between a client that I've seen for six weeks and a client that at the six month mark. True. Like with I mean, with kids that I know, there's, they can tell there's a point where they realize because we've known each other for a while, I remember their dog's name. Right. <laughs> I remember their best friend's mm-hmm. name. And they're kind of surprised. They go, wow. Oh, I told you about Luke? Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> I can't believe you remembered mm-hmm. whoever, you know, the dog's name. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You told me about him. Right. So in, in that, you know, markers of connectedness. Okay. So what the opposite of feeling connected or asking for connection and, and closeness right. would be feeling disconnected or feeling isolation Mm -hmm. what are the ways that you notice that happening in supervision or what are ways that you see it happening in counseling i actually have a supervision story about that i had a supervisor a supervisee a few years back who worked in a clinic slash day treatment kind of facility and they just didn't have any connect they were so busy at work Mm. They had no connection with anyone else at work. Even though they were in a clinic setting, it was just like fast paced, go, do, go, do. Mm-hmm. And they had no connection with their manager or their their work supervisor. Mm-hmm. And when things would come down that like corporate had changed or something, it was just like black and white. Here's this, it's changed. And they'd be like, well, if that kind of violates privacy. I can't do sessions in the hallway, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, but it would be very much like cut off and dry and i think Mm -hmm. that they just felt even though they were in this big clinic setting they they were totally on their own and Mm -hmm. felt like they were just failing in every avenue because Mm -hmm. what a corporation wanted and what they needed to do as a counselor weren't mixing yeah i'd have to ask my clients if they feel this way or have felt (laughs) this way but i've had supervisees that i thought they are anxious they are thinking about what they're thinking about or thinking Mm -hmm. about what they're doing so they're in their head and then in session, they're not making they're not a real connection right. with their client, and it's not productive counseling. I think that's also an indication for a counselor. If you have a client 
that you've only seen once or twice and they don't come back. Right, or something, right. There's something right. off, right? Okay. I think I have felt this with supervisees where I feel like we are not connecting or they don't understand. I think I feel it even to, I do have some supervisees. I actually just signed off paperwork and finished with someone who I never got to see in person. Oh, yeah. But I feel it sometimes when my supervisors are online, but also if I'm teaching a class online, it feels really disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I think I have to work harder and in more specific ways to feel connected. If you had a supervisee that you felt really disconnected from, what would you do? Uh, And again, like with the constraints of maybe you're virtual, maybe you're whatever. I mean, I think I would try and maybe incorporate a little bit more, maybe just five minutes at the beginning or the end of session Mm -hmm. to like kind of connect. Like, no, how was your week? No, I'm not asking about clients. I mean, like, is yeah. traffic bad what's in your area? Yeah, you know, what's what's your life like? Mm-hmm. Just to kind of make those gentle steps forward mm-hmm. to see if it really is a problem bigger picture or if there's other constraints that kind of are just in the way of us connecting. Yeah. In the past, I had someone who I was meeting in a triad, me mm-hmm. and two, two right. supervisees, and I felt continually disconnected. And so I started asking them for mm-hmm. more individual time right. versus right versus as a, in a group. Wasn't super receptive. Yeah. And so then it was, I wasn't asking. I was saying, okay, now that's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing it. All of us are going to do more individualized sessions. Also, not a lot. Didn't get a lot out of that because they weren't very open to it. Something else I've tried. I think I got a little mileage out of this where this was in person still felt kind of disconnected. And because of when we were meeting, I started saying, let's bring a snack. Yeah. Right. Like, so partly because it was like a time where you it makes sense to have right. a snack, but also that it felt more social, a little mm-hmm. more like that we sat down and everybody had like a coffee or a tea right. and a little mm-hmm. snack. And it, it felt Better. like we were sharing something. Right. And I think that helped some. I don't know that that resolves the whole thing completely. Right. But when I'm teaching online, I definitely think FaceTime, like okay. having Mm-hmm. in person well not in person but at least on video right have your so, video on be connecting be if i have a student where i feel like they are not understanding we're not connected right then i'll say can we meet through video mm-hmm. and i think that helps some but it's mm-hmm. i don't still don't think it's right. the perfect solution right. i think it has some to do with me that i think i'm best in person mm-hmm. and that the more time you spend with me the more connected you can feel but Am I going to, do I instantly create connectedness? No, I don't no. think I do. No. I don't think most counselors do because I think we're also taught not to a little bit hmm. because we're taught boundaries. Like, and it's so, especially at the very beginning, yeah. think of just hmm. finishing school. Yeah, sure. Don't be friends with your client. Don't like your client. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think that that maybe, especially at the beginning of a, when you're first a brand new counselor, you are more guarded to yeah. those connections. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's so core to this whole topic that people are taught not to share the any right i mean not to share right and then even this idea of intimacy like so you're going to feel close to someone that's a big no-no right i I don't think it's a no-no no i just think there's the right kind of closeness right and i think like anything else that you learn in the beginning you learn and you follow all the rules Uh And you're very specific. So if you're following the rule related to this, then you would intentionally have less connectedness. Right. So this is this is a very advanced skill. It's a very advanced skill. (laughs) Take a while to fine tune it. (laughs) Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. Heather and I would love to hear about how you create connectedness with your supervisees. 
You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.